to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to the Sound of Freedom movie review with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Monday, July 3rd in the year 2023. Now, I just was able to get out of the, just watched it, in fact, like left the theater 30 minutes ago of The Sound of Freedom. Good film. And we're going to talk a lot about it tonight. I'm going to have Colonel Pete Chambers come on here just very shortly in about 10 minutes. We're going to dig into this and talk a lot about the film and the bigger problem that the film talks is about, which is obviously not just the child sex trafficking, but the issue of healing the children. This is huge. It's just, it's just massive. But the film does a great job of a riveting film emotionally to take you into the inside of the horrors of child sex trafficking. So we'll talk all about that very shortly. Right off the top, Patriots, one thing I, you know, we have to do is to make sure we remain prepared. And that's very a very pressing issue right now in this current climate. One of those things to be prepared for is to make sure you're preserving your wealth. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. Gold and you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. All right, so I've got some things that are really interesting here to kind of open up the show tonight. So right away, what I want to hit on is a, a quick search I did earlier, just before the show started, and this is on using a Brave search engine, and I put in the term child sex trafficking. And right off the top, this is what I get in kind of a summary, which I'm pretty convinced they're using an AI like Chatbot these days to give you a summary of, their, of the search. So take a listen to this. Child sex trafficking is a form of child abuse that involves the recruitment harboring, transportation, provision, obtaining, patronizing, or soliciting 
of a minor for the purpose of commercial sex act. Offenders of the crime commonly referred to as pimps target vulnerable children and gain control over them using a variety of manipulative methods. Now, listen to this. This is, this is just an open search here. Facebook was the platform most used to groom and recruit children by sex traffickers, 65%. Based on an analysis of 105 child sex trafficking cases that year, Instagram was the second most prevalent, with Snapchat being the third. While anyone can be a victim, kids who are homeless or runaways, LGBTQ, African American or Latino, and youth interacting with the child welfare system are more vulnerable to this type of exploitation. Now, I'm not one that likes search engine truths, but this is a pretty good search engine truth right here. It's pretty amazing what it's talking about, and it does have some real topics there to to consider. I mean, Facebook has been a massive grooming part of this problem and this equation, and that has only led to greater problems, obviously, through our society as kids are being left on their own on the digital appliances, Instagram and Snapchat are horrible for child sex trafficking, just off the charts. So here's another thing, and just some headlines. December, this comes out from April 2023, Facebook and Instagram become marketplaces for child sex trafficking. That's in The Guardian. And then NBC News, the federal government, this is from January of 19th of 2023, the federal government is investigating the possible human trafficking of children who clean slaughterhouses. Now, that's been documented. And what's been happening is that the cartels are moving these kids across the border. And then as they move across the border, they're using the kids in the slaughterhouses after hours. That's giving you an indication of how deeply invested into bigger businesses the cartels are to where they can actually have that control. So this is a huge problem we have here in this nation. Child sex trafficking represents well over $150 billion a year in revenue, and it's the fastest growing illegal trade in the world, and it's it's starting to surpass drugs easily as the most desired. And here's the worst part. The majority of child sex products, whether it's child sex sex with children or the child sex industry of pornography, the consumption is in this country. The majority of the world's consumption is happening here within our borders of the United States. So if you're sitting here thinking like, oh, you know, God will forgive our nation. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen pretty quick. We've got some really, really big issues to address in this country, and it's a sickness that is all over. And it represents an absolute moral bankruptcy of a nation. So with that, I have another idea of what we can do for our homes to protect our children. Patriots, right now, many Americans are feeling powerless. The economy isn't stable, crime continues to plague our communities, and those in charge don't seem to even care. There's something empowering about knowing that you have the skills to defend yourself, and that's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you still have a ton of practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, 
and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, increase reaction speed, side alignment, trigger control, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including 223, so that you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com right now. Again, 10% using your promo code BARDS, plus free shipping when you go to itargetpro.com. Don't rely on the government to make you feel safe. Empower yourself with iTarget Pro. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Offer code is BARDS. All right, Patriots, so I want to continue just to read a few of these headlines just to give you an idea how this is regular news, and it's sickening when you think about it. So here's one. Stockholm professor accused of trafficking child sex abuse photos. That's the big. That's one of the big industries is watching children being abused, raped, even mutilated, and they traffic those on the web, in the dark web, and in private sites. Miami Beach doctor arrested on human trafficking, child uh, solicitation charges. Then has a, here's another story in the Guardian from November twenty or November second of twenty twenty two. Cambodia's modern slavery nightmare: the human trafficking crisis overlooked by authorities. That's all corporate-driven. Man accused, this is from February of, of twenty this year, 23. Man accused of trafficking children in ordered is ordered to stand trial in a second sex crime case. They, these people are repeat offenders, guarantee it. Um, they have stories here about sex trafficking in Utah County, in Juab County, and... Uh, Centipede County in Utah. That's three different counties. There's a story here from Disney employees arrested in human trafficking in Florida. This just goes on, and it's pages and pages of this. It's unbelievable. Las Vegas, Florida, like I said, Utah, Alabama. I mean, I can just go on the list of states. Every state's affected by this, and in one way or another, every county is affected by this. And that is just literally a reality that has been allowed by us, we the people, to persist. And we've had our head buried in the sand too long, and it's time to wake up to the realities of the horrors of what we're dealing with. So in just a moment here, we're going to have Colonel Pete Chambers on. He's going to come on, and we're going to talk all about the movie that we each saw today, which was pretty good. But it was, it, it, The Sound of Freedom is a good film. I'm going to recommend that you see it. And um, if, like I said before last night, right, oh, here we go. Here's Pete coming on right now. Doc Chambers. Here he is. Doc, can you hear me? He's, he's loading on here. Hang on. There you go. Hey, Doc. Hey, what's up, mate? How are you doing? Doing good. It was uh, an event. It was an event. So, Patriots, welcome, Doc Chambers. How are you doing today? Well, I'm happy to be alive and uh, happy we got to uh, do this roughly around the same time today, not knowing that each other was going to be in front of that uh, screen. That's a God thing, man. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. That's, yeah so, Patriots, just to give you kind of a background, I, I was talking to Doc Chambers this morning, and he's like, um, I, I said, what are you doing today? He's like, I'm going to the film. I said, you're going to the film? I'm going to the film. When are you going to the film? And so we're two hours time difference, and we both went to the same showing, which was 255. And That's so right. we just, yeah. so you just got out of it a couple hours ago. I literally just left the theater about 30 minutes ago. 
Yeah, tracking. I'm on Central Time Zone. Exactly. So it, uh, yeah, I was reserving my uh, my opinions and my uh, review for this moment, so it would be spontaneous. All right. Well, let's do it. All right. So I'm I'm gonna kind of lay out. I I think in my overall assessment of the film is that it it definitely moves the emotions of the need to be aware and to get back to loving and protecting our kids. That's what would be my kind of my opening mark remarks. Yours. Yeah, I would say that uh, for for guys like us who know, you know, we've seen a lot more. Uh, of course, I haven't experienced anything like that, but I've seen, you know, the system and the way it works. Um, there was no way they could have done it in two hours and 50 minutes uh, or 30 minutes, uh, do it justice. But for the overall to, to, to garner interest across the world, I pray. Yeah, it, it did, uh, you know, home run on that. Agreed. This is a very complex issue. And I think that the pieces that I noticed in there that they did a really good job at from the beginning, they started, they showed a really good segment in the whole beginning with taking it from the abduction of the child all the way to the, the pedo that was actually trafficking them and bringing the kids and selling them on his marketplace that beginning piece, if people can hang on to that, it's yes. a pretty good snapshot of the of what all goes on in that industry. Would you agree? Yeah, I believe that that, uh, you know, while that was happening, I, I recognized their TTP, if you will, their techniques and practices. And we've seen that here on the streets of Houston, for goodness sakes. But, uh, you know, in these third world countries, you know, as we know, the numbers, you know, number USA is uh, one of the top three of consumers. But uh, where they come from is mostly these uh these uh, third world countries and, and people are just a lot more trusting, it seems like, or, or uh, not as uh, leery, I would imagine, uh, than your average uh, enlightened American. I would I would pray that be the case. Yeah, it makes me wonder, though, if economics aren't a big issue here, because I that that scene in the beginning does a good job of showing kind of a rundown home in Honduras mm-hmm. and with the father with the two children and. Obviously, she's she does have a very the woman who's the trafficker has a very elegant look. She does come across very trusting, but it's also she's offering the, a lot of hope for the to get them out of that situation and, and a and a pipeline out of their of the world that they're in. That I think that's part of the big vulnerability when they start dealing with what we will refer to as third world countries or second world countries. There's a desperation mm-hmm. for these families to get out. And that opens up a massive vulnerability aspect to me. Yeah, praying, praying upon the desperation of, of humankind is definitely a uh, a common practice. And I, we've seen it, you know, I've seen it in several different places downrange. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it lures them in. It's a trap. And, and they're, they're, everybody wants the best for their kid. I always say that the most common thing I, I think I've seen around the world that, that creates amongst good people is just uh, you want the best for your kids. You want, you know, you just want joy. You want to see them happy. You, you know, that's, I think that's what I got from that, uh, that particular scene. And I don't want to, you know, mess up the movie too much, but I think that that, you know, that that's important. No, it is. And I, I, I think it's important to highlight it because as people who haven't seen it, just giving you this highlight, really important to pay attention to your first, I don't know, it's about 15, 20 minutes um, mm-hmm. to really get us a, a snapshot of, the whole, like you already referred to, the TTPs, how this sort of stuff can work in a in one very particular way, including mm-hmm. you know getting thrown into a container on board of a ship, which is pretty amazing. 
Right. Yeah. That's a, at that point, that's a, that's despair. And those kids don't have a voice. So, you know, they, they might've had a voice when they were in their daddy's hands walking down the hallway, but after that, no more voice. And that's, that's a big one is once you get, you take a child and they've been, and I think the film does a good job of this and I will, and I'm not going to give away the last scene, but the last scenes in plural um, really show this. And I just, I was, it was so moving because I want to jump there because it gets to what happens when you pull a child away from the family somewhere in there. There's a bit of hope, but that hope dims and they just become they're All they are doing now is being obedient to their master to try to survive. And the manipulation that, and the mind manipulation that goes on with these people is sick. There's just no other way to put it. Right. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just spoke to somebody this week, actually, you know, where I work down here in Texas, I'm at a think tank and, and one of our lines of effort is, you know, trying to help people find children or, you know, when they when they've disappeared uh, stateside. This, this is U.S. side that we deal with. And, uh, you know, this one, this particular one was a uh, CPS, you know, Child Protective Services picked up a kid from a lady, you know, uh, six years ago, picked up three kids. I'm sorry, from her. There was a separation in the family. Uh, dad's out working now somewhere and mom can't find the kids, but they were taken from her and there's no, there's no answer to it. And she's just, she's desperate and she's, she's been looking for six years and she's just at her wits end. That's all she does. Her, her every day living, you know, waking moment is, is deal with this. And I, I can't even imagine. I really can't. My kids are all grown and I, I'm, I know that they, you know, they're adults that can make their own choices. And I still think about them and worry, but that just, that moment of despair in the very beginning, you could just feel it. Oh, you absolutely can. Someone just wrote here in chat, and I want to address this on a bigger level and let you and I kind of share on both of this. It says, I'm struggling sure. to understand how our kids get taken. I know they are. Well, I think part of it is it, there's some great clips in the film of showing mm -hmm. abductions, and they're real, they're real CT, CT or CCT footage. And it's like yes, literally a child playing on the street and a guy runs by on a motorcycle and grabs him and throws him on this motorcycle. Now the kid's getting drug into a van. These people are pros at this. They're, they, <clears throat> they, I, they seek in like a good um, predator and they find the opportunity when the parent's not there, the child's alone, grab it and go. And it, that's it. There's, no, there's no, nothing you can do. Yeah, you know, and this is a good segue for me to pop in just real quick and telling someone, even one of my pipe hitters, one of the guys that works with us uh, here in Austin, uh, he, uh, you know, daughter was out playing at the park with her friend and their young teens, cute little girls, you know, just sweet. But daddy is an operator and taught daughter how to escape and evade. And she escaped and evaded with her friend when they realized they were being spotted and they were being watched. He already trained her to be situationally aware. This is a 13 year old girl. And, uh, you know, they were just in their neighborhood, but several blocks away, but they evaded through, you know, streets and, and backyards, got to a, a known, uh, we'll call it a safe house. Uh, they got in there, called the police. And of course the guy, you know, the, the bad guy that was observing them disappeared. But, you know, these are things that, uh, you know, this is, this is happening right here in Texas. Uh, Texas probably one of, I know Houston is the number one city in Texas for, for this, these type of abductions. Typically a van, they watch for a while or a vehicle, they, they spot, you know, they got their, their recon out. Uh, they, they, they develop a pattern of life. They may not do it the same day. They might just have a target of opportunity, drive up next to them and throw them in a van. Different story. But the targets, you know, the pattern of life stuff is uh, they watch them. They figure out what they do every day. These girls played in the park every day and, you know, tried to roll them up. And uh, but dad was wise and teaching his daughter and 
you know, that's nobody is nobody's immune. Nobody is at all. It's it's a great comment. And actually, you kind of that opens up a a note that I'm going to make here because I think that any sort of program in helping rescue kids has to have a program to on the preventative side to awaken uh-huh. and to teach parents and children how to be aware. I don't think we do that well overall. No, I, I agree. You know, in, in my world, every just about every one of the guys that works here and gals that works here for that matter, um, every kid that comes in here, you know, can shoot, move, and communicate with the best of them for their age. But uh, you know, that's that's a uh, uh, that's a different kind of family. But uh, yeah, there there are programs out there that teach these things, and and you know, with this this county um, concerned citizen group, I'll be teaching on it actually Thursday night. Um, you know, I'm, I'm back up here now and I'm going to be talking about it because it's kind of prompted me. And I, I put it out there and said, Hey, what do y'all, who do you got talking Thursday? They said, Well, we're talking Prev Med. I said, Well, you're not now. <laughs> you <laughs> you're go. talking situational awareness 101. Absolutely. And I think that's awesome. You know, I, and I'm just, I'm going to make some comments just here towards things I'm seeing in the chat. And I just want people to be really understanding here. Anybody that has children, whether you realize it or not, your children are vulnerable. That's a, I hate to put it like that to where it's going to put fear and it's not intended to be. But you have to understand, it doesn't take but a half a second of either looking away, your kids are playing in the front yard, they're, they go over to a friend's house. I mean, you can't keep track on them 100% of the time. And that's why the situational awareness that the your, your buddy trained his daughter with is fantastic. But that's the problem is parents aren't really even knowing how to train their children to be situationally aware. They need to because we now live in a world that is a predator's world and children are the prey. Yeah, this is a, this is the, the stats were given in the, in the, in the movie. And, you know, I don't want to give away all the free chicken, but I do want to say that the stats have increased to such a place now that it's uh it's so pervasive and it's a demonic state. The world's in, I mean, it's a, it's moved towards where this is now competing with number one, our, our drug trafficking coming across the border. I know of a particular cartel across the border when I worked down there that was was pulling in about three hundred million dollars uh, a month. One particular cartel that we had been following. So that that's a month, and that's just that cartel, and that's just moving family units across the border with what we call the peso tax. You know, and this is a different level of that. But I I. You know, my only claim to fame with regarding human trafficking is, you know, while we were down there looking for the needle in the needle stack, you know, the, the terrorist stuff, uh, picking up two girls that didn't belong with two young men that were two from two different countries once you separated them. And, uh, you know, I handed them off to DHS and the, well, the Border Patrol and, and, you know, pointed out that. But that's just one place, one time, one night. And thousands of people, at the time, 12,000 people coming across the border a week. So I don't know how many that, you know, it just, after seeing this, it was very sobering to watch this. Well, we have what, what is it, something like 80-some thousand? Am I I too high on that number that have gone missing across the border from DHS? Numbers? Inside Whistleblower? I I think your numbers are right. You know, I'm um, going to get together with Jason Jones. He's well-known on the border. Uh, a good friend, and we work together down there, and he has these numbers. I'm going to talk to him before that uh, that you know talk on Thursday night. So I, I'll I'll have that, but that sounds about right. I, I know it's I know it's over fifty sixty for sure. It's it's incredible. I mean, the, the thing that I think people have to understand is this is a global organizational system. 
I mean, this has become, this is the currency of the elite. And so children are trafficked for power, for ritual power, for for wealth accumulation. I mean, the story I tell on a very small scale, but to understand this, the same thing that happens in warlords in Afghanistan, dealing with the governor of, of uh, Jalalabad province. I mean, that dirtbag had 40 male slaves and they had all been acquired when they were kids and he owned them. I mean, that's status. And every one of them had been abused more times than you would ever want to know. I mean, this is normal in culture. And the Hazara kids in Afghanistan were the targeted group because of the way they looked and their features and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That same Absolutely. type of trafficking mentality is out here. And it's it's all around us. We have it in our county. We have it. I, it's It happens all around every county. That's why I want to be started the show tonight, just reading some of the headlines of county after county. This thing is down to every county level. And the thing is, like, some people, and I saw someone just ask the question, well, I don't ever hear the parents speak. Because many times where they're going to be vulnerable, they're going to go after the mothers or the fathers or the kids that are coming from problem families. So when a mother that has having a drug problem, for example, has her kid go away, 90% of the time people will go, oh, well, she deserved it. Or it just that's just consequential. And they blame her. And they don't realize that she's been targeted to take her kid away by a trafficking organization, and then she's broken. So this is there's a whole layering here that goes together. A drug addiction, broken economy, homelessness, desperation, enter in the greatest organized crime network you've ever imagined called Child Sex Trafficking Network, and they, they feed on all of that. Correct. And across the board, at least I'm going to speak for the border, what 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 my troops have seen down there. And we had up to 10,000 troops at one time. I think we're back down to about six, but I'm not on that mission anymore. But, uh, you know, the the when the when the kids show up and the two little girls that I particularly got had a phone number in their hand and that phone number was supposedly to their aunt. Well, that phone number did not go to their aunt. That phone number went to an agency, went to a, a uh, an NGO. Uh, and I don't remember specifically which one I was told, but uh, it, it was not Catholic Charities. They're predominant on the border, but it was a different one. But how do you know? I mean, how do we do? I don't know the vetting process for that. I really don't. And and, uh, and I pray that there is one. But most of these kids are unaccompanied minors. And those are the ones that are missing in this situation. The ones on the streets of the U.S., uh, I, I know they have parents out there. I know that uh, but typically they're they're. Uh, they're from the, uh, you know, the neighborhoods that are not as affluent. Although in my friend's case, it wasn't an affluent middle class, you know, family neighborhood. It doesn't have to be. Um, but uh, you know, the the numbers, the most of these numbers are not coming from parents that are, you know, uh, taking their school to, uh, I mean, taking their kids to swimming practice. No, they're not. And in fact, there's a really interesting piece which I was looking for before the show, and I misplaced it, but I'll just kind of highlight it. And what it was is a woman that did a test on her boyfriend was wanting to get his daughter a um, a, a cell phone because his daughter wanted to be on Snapchat. So she posed as a young girl on Snapchat for, or I guess it was Instagram. I, I'm saying Snapchat. I think it was Instagram. doesn't matter. Same thing because they're both in the top two of the most profiled and in, in areas for predators. So I think so. Instagram. She poses. She puts her profile up. Uses old pictures of herself as a little girl. Puts herself up as a thirteen-year-old girl. Puts her puts her 
uh, profile as private. And she says literally in five minutes, she's got dozens of texts of people asking her to model, to send photos, and people in soliciting. And it didn't take much longer, and she actually has predators wanting to engage with her. And so she goes through this whole thing of actually realizing that there's a guy out there that was really trying to get to her, and he ends up being a child sex predator that was just released from jail. So my, my point of all this is this in the digital age, and I, and I know that for some people that had grew up in a different era, they struggle with this. They're like, yeah, but my kid's this or that. Parents and people in general have no idea of the magnitude and sophistication of data scraping that's out here. There is no such thing as privacy. And kids are the tar- target. Facebook is a groomer's headquarters. That was 65% of the, of the groomers worked off of Facebook. Facebook, Twitter, Twitter had backdoor chat rooms for these pedophiles and selling product to them. I mean, this is insane, but this is literally what, what's happened. Yeah, you know, and an, another interesting statistic on that is, uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, a lot of this, just the destination for these trafficked people, whether it's for, for labor or for sex slave or, uh, or this. But the United States is number one, number one for consumer for the um, child rape videos. And that and that's not a, you know, that's not a, a something you want to attribute to a nation that uh, one nation under God. Uh, it, it, just, it just doesn't fly. No, not at all. I mean, this is this is a sick culture that we have here. As you said, the majority of the world's child pornography is consumed here. And this is just the same as the drug problem. You're not going to solve a drug problem by going to and solving it by wiping out the, the producers. You have to destroy the consumers. And, and that's where we have a problem here is we have an avid and active, aggressive appetite for child pornography in this country. And it's in every level. It's in it's from schools to institutional government buildings to in private corporations. I mean, in lawyers' offices. I mean, it's everywhere, and in the workplace. I mean, people are have this desire, and we're seeing it when they catch somebody and they've got like you know one terabyte of child pornography on there or something. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, it, it is. You know, in, in the different uh, areas, lines of effort, if you will. You know, you got the the predator, the wolves. You have the consumers, which are wolves in themselves, but they're 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 feeding that that need. You know, I mean, it's all based on money, how much they can make, with the satanic flair to it. And then there's the you know um, the other part that we have to consider as a line of effort is not as it is not nefarious. It is the wraparound. It's taking care of these people, kids, post uh, rescue because sometimes you just can't place them back. You've you've got you know some psychological, some medical issues. Uh, things and that's something that I'm kind of proud of our guys here. You know, we we are working that piece and getting them to places where they can be taken care of because it's going to be it's going to be you know many hands are going to make like work light work in this deal because we're going to need people out there that that are you know obviously vetted uh, but to help out with this because it, it cannot fall just on the hands. It's not falling on the hands of CPS very well in yeah. that program. Well, that program's a, just a federalized child sex trafficking program anyway. I mean, I, I, it's literally CPS really is more about child trauma than it is about as much about anything. <clears throat> right. Oh yeah. I mean, you hear so many stories about them ending up in foster homes that uh, increase the trauma and they end up by the time they're, uh, you know, uh, of age where they can leave, they've been in six different foster homes and, and, and it's always the story where the kid was just unruly. I couldn't handle them. Well, 
consider where they're coming from, it's going to require more than just, uh, you know, three meals on a cot. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to require some love and, 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 uh, and true care for these kids. And I, I can't say that they go to homes that are abusing them, but I, I can't say that they're not. I think the one thing the film also showed, and I, I mean, it's a quote, a fantastic quote, in fact. I sent it to you, and that's, and it was really the quote given to um, the character that Jim Caviezel was playing, which he was playing the role of Tim Ballard. But that quote was, was literally, um, when God tells you what to do, you cannot hesitate. And that was the, the quote given to him by the guy that had been the cartel guy that suddenly was awakened to what was going on in child sex trafficking that in the film, which I guess has some truth to it, he became a guy who would set up these buys of children and then once he bought them, he would give them freedom by, by getting them housing and safe, safe places and keeping them safe so they could get back to a regular life. So he, he was doing hero's work by using his old way of life connections and and that's again that's something you know god wastes nothing it was pretty amazing yeah it was his i believe his self-imposed penance that uh you know resulted in the in the freedom of those individuals yeah it it, it is amazing you mentioned the word heroes and and in, in part of the movie we you know we hear the word heroes being used and and really i think these these kids you know that go through this they're that that come out on the other end and and um you know, they're the heroes. They 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 said the same thing in there, and I, I kept thinking that. You know, we all like to think, well, I want to kick the door down. I want to be the guy to go in there and rescue everybody, or you know, we're going to help rehab these kids. But we're all safe. You know, we go to our beds at night, and uh, we don't can't even fathom the the ugliness of what what happens to these to these humans. You know, every life matters, and and these, as we know in Luke two seventeen. Uh, you don't want a millstone and end up at the bottom of the ocean, but uh, you know that. That's where they deserve to be. I mean, it's, so, it's a thing. There is going to, there has to be some. There's a great quote, and it, it is what I think I sent you the other day with regards to criminals, and especially with this class of criminal. And it's this. It's it's actually from Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Cooper, who I'd love Jeff Cooper anyway, USMC. If violent crime is to be cured or curbed, it is only the intended victim who can do it. The felon does not fear the police, and he fears neither judge nor jury. Therefore, what he must be taught is to fear his victim. That's That sums it up. That, that, that is perfect. And I, that goes into what I just had pulled up before we started talking here. I looked at the... Uh... The development of human trafficking prosecutions globally and the numbers from 2012 to 2020 and the height of it, the height of prosecutions, this is worldwide, uh, were about 20,000 prosecutions. Now, we know the numbers are way higher than that, but that's in 2015. Currently, they're half of that, and that's as of 2020. So, you know, they're not concerned about prosecutions. It's in half. We can talk about what happens, what's happened to our legal system, but you have the right to defend yourself, your child. But when they're when they're helpless, you know, the the oppressor libera, the freely oppressed, um, and they're and they're helpless, and there's nobody to stand in the gap. 
Uh, that's the travesty. But you're right. There is no there is no fear in these people. There's no fear on the border. Those those two guys that uh, that brought those two girls across when I was down there, um, they were released back into Mexico. There was no prosecution of them for illegally trafficking two children, <laughs> saying they're children. That's crazy. I'm telling you, this is it, this is happening. I think the important thing for people to understand is it's happening because it's being allowed to happen. This isn't, and there's two sides to that. Legally, the system has been corrupted to allow the criminal to get off. You have, as part of that, you have a liberal class of people that have been so brainwashed to believe that there's all these people that are in need to come to the United States that have never bothered to look at the depth of what this is really about and what the real engine is behind it. And then you just have regular America out here who is gets incensed by these things but then they run into the wall of like, well, I can't get involved because the authorities are there. The authorities are half the damn problem. What's your thought? Yeah, well, you know, um, when the authorities are concerned more about uh, expenditures and, and appropriations, uh, which I've, I've seen it firsthand, um, you know, from the state level to the federal level, um, the higher ups are worried about, number one, their next promotion, their job when they leave that that take the uniform off, be it military or, uh, or uh, federal worker. And then, uh, you know, how much money can I get for my department, my agency? And uh, that, that's the concern. It's not like in, in this movie, and you can see the passion. You can see even the passion of Mr. Ballard's boss. I mean, he had his regulations and, and protocols that he had to go by, but he also, he felt for Tim. He said, hey, bro, you know, you're going to lose your career over this. And, but he still... He, he understood it. Well, we don't, I, I haven't seen that in a long time at the upper level management of any of the federal workers down there on the border, DHS, uh, Border Patrol, uh, Immigration Naturalization, INS. It, it, it's it's uh, how much can we hide, how much can we get away with, and how much can we allocate, get allocated for the next fiscal year? That, that's the concern. Well, and I think this leads into something really obvious in the film, throughout the film, and it's that struggle that the character has between his job and his mission that he's being called to. And this gets right into the core of, even in county by county, what we call right work, which is pillar item number four. You really have to make some decisions on what you're living for and fighting for in this world. And to the credit of Tim Ballard and to the credit of the way it was portrayed by Jim Caviezel, that decision point that he arrived at, he made the right choice. The challenge, and, I, and the film does a great job of portraying that, and I, something I think everybody should take to heart because it's really something, you and I run into it a lot. We've talked a lot about, I talk a lot about it, the struggle that people have between stepping into the right place to do things and well, I'm going to lose my income, I'm going to do this, I'm, I can't do this because I have obligations here, or I'm not going to be able to go back to this type of job. We're only living one life here. And what we do in, in this life echoes into eternity. And there's really no higher calling than the sort of things of stepping into where God, there is no higher calling than when God calls you to step into something like this, especially when we get into children. You've crossed that line. You've had to because you had to face it when you were whistleblower. And you've continued to walk the path of righteousness and truth 
which I hope that many in the community in particular see that. And I know that you talk a lot to them, but I hope they really understand what that step is because it, it, you had to step away from a lot of what you had. Am I right? They, they understand that. Yes. So there is a cost. I, I tell them all the time before you consider, because the whistleblower acts and the piece of paper that gives you somewhat of a protection is really not worth the paper that's written on. You're going to get squashed. As soon as you start telling the truth, you're going to get squashed. Why would it be that when Senator Johnson asks for across the military wide for whistleblowers to come out in the very beginning, there were only four. Okay, there were only four. Now, the way I look at it now, and I've kind of put it all together to explain to the other people that are still in the military that I talked to that have come out and started helping with this is, yeah, there was four. And I'm not the world's expert on whether the shots were bad or good in the very beginning of what it was specifically. I didn't know it was a bioweapon. I knew they weren't working. I knew that they were not safe, not effective, and we could do it by less intrusive means. I was the guy, or us four, we'll just say we're the door kickers. We came in 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 close quarter battle, and we opened the door. And then you brought in the next team, which did the uh, sensitive site exploitation, if you will. And they came in with a lot more information because they knew what we had already known. We already reconned it and told them, hey, this is what we see. And then you, then the real subject matter, matter experts started working. And then the, peop, the legal team started working. And they came in with a lot more really robust information. So my information was only as good as the time we were on the X. And then, and then that's it. But everybody plays a role. Whether your role is kicking that door down, whether your role is you know, sensitive site exploitation or developing the, uh, the information so that you can get this to... Um, I still stick with grassroots, but to your, your local law enforcement, your your county, city uh, leaders, you're, you're getting this information out. And everybody can play a role in this. And it, and some of it comes with a lot more cost. For me, it, it came with some cost. There was a couple of my whistleblower friends in the very beginning, those four, that literally got squashed. One guy that was, uh, you know, UCMJ to the point of, uh, you know, court martial. Uh, another guy lost his medical license. Um, Sam Sigloff, I, I, I think you may have talked to him, but um, and if you haven't, I'll get him on your show. But these these people paid a price, and and Dr. Long, Tracy Long, and Mark Bashaw is the one that got the. But those, you know, when you go in the door, you're gonna you're gonna have a, a, a higher cost, right? But later on, the the costs will not be as extreme, but they're still gonna be there. Well, and, and do you hit something that's really important? I've been talking about this last couple of nights when you. Look at this whole issue of child sex trafficking. What this film focuses on is this a very narrow optic of just a couple of kids and dealing very specifically with the front end of that, which is to getting these kids out of the danger zone and getting them uh-huh. into safety. What we don't deal with and at all really, and most of the most of the rescue operations, and you alluded that you've got some things going on, but you and I have talked a lot more about this offline, uh-huh. we don't have this massive back end, which needs to be there. It needs to be everybody's part of this. And this is like, this is how you change a nation is when people start being understanding that you're going to have to work with these children for years. There's a piece that I, and I told you about it this morning when we talked, it's from Portland, uh-huh. it came out in the last couple of days, kind of the ravaging of what's happened to downtown Portland with the drug abuse and fentanyl. But there's a about two thirds into that piece, there is a guy that literally is, um, he's he is a homeless guy, and he says, you know, I've been homeless for about forty eight years, on and off, and then as he goes on to say, he's like, and he says, 
it's going to take five years for someone who has been on drugs to become really clean and stable. Well, he's absolutely right. So now take somebody who's been sexually abused as a child. Mm-hmm. We don't have a, a system set up. And this is what I understand really happened with a lot of President Trump's efforts is they were given the authorities to do mm-hmm. whatever they needed to do to rack up to crack up these networks. And that means any level of force. But the, the problem is they had no place to take the kids. So what are you going to well, do with them? And they put them into the U.N. program, and then you know where that ends up, right? Roger that. You know, I mean, we. this is where really if America wants to, if efforts want to be made by people to stand up and do something really amazing, it's like start preparing your, your a space in your home or your community that will be able to take the children in. And we should be seeing every church in the nation throwing their doors wide yeah. open for this, right? Dude, dude, I'm sitting here biting at the bit to say that. Okay, so <laughs> that we're, we're connected, right? Yeah. We're connected. Just, just uh, you know, I was listening to, uh, who's, what's that guy, Sean Ryan and uh, Caviezel do their interview while I was driving over there. And Caviezel said, look, we're brothers because we're 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 adopted to God as brothers. So we're, we're brothers. And then we may end up being closer than my real brother or my real sister because we're, we're brothers in Christ. And so if, if, and I know you have a high number of people that listen to your show. They're they're God fearing people, and and people of faith. Better be all of them. If, if, yeah, better be all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's an order. So here's the deal: if every single church out there fired their milk toast preachers, and got some people in there like the black robes that came out and said, "We're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about this because right now is the time to talk about it." We there is a movement here. There is a, you know, it, it is God telling us, I am telling you, you're responsible for these children. Absolutely. Man, I, right. Yeah, you, you are responsible. Mm-hmm. And at this point, if every church did that, think about it. There, there, there wouldn't be no need for CPS. There would be no need for these charities that, that are not really truly vetted. There would be no need. We, we can handle this. We absolutely can. I mean, this this is exactly as the church should be and the community should be. Mm-hmm. There should be widows a, and orphans. Widows and orphans. They talk about it all the time. <laughs> well, even let's just break it down in our constitution. I mean, your First Amendment side of this and in, in having the freedom of speech, which was it would include like the freedom to understand who's doing what in your government and who's involved and where their money's coming from. That would be called in what we might call an intelligence cell. And you tie that to a communication cell, like a podcast that has the freedom of speech to share that information outward. outward. And you have the freedom, as you are in the nation, to advertise in the community in a tight circle of like, hey, we've got a house over here for kids to come into. So you're, there you're building your First Amendment resistance and militia, if you will, right? right. And then right. under common law, especially, you have... The, the Second Amendment militias, which then mm-hmm. become the rightful executioner of, well, be careful in that term, rightful, <laughs> yeah, the not, uh, well, it might be that, but hopefully not. Action arm. <laughs> the action arm. The action arm, <laughs> thank you. The action <laughs> arm for the crime which the citizens uh-huh. have identified. And then you right. have this perfect defense county by county across an entire nation that none of this stuff could ever happen again because eyes are out, people are always looking. People are being vigilant. They're working in the community. And when something starts to crop up, it's proactively addressed rather than now where we're like, we're like 10 steps behind. 
Right. I'm envisioning like uh, an old village with a bunch of people with pitchforks. I don't know. That just came to mind. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I say this all the time. The the first John Jay was the first um, Supreme Court justice in our nation, mm-hmm. and he had before he became Supreme Court justice, he negotiated the treaty that sold out the entire revolution with the British by giving them trade preferential treatment over us. Right. Right. But, but think about the awareness of this. He commented openly that he was so hated that he could ride in the seventh, uh, seventh, uh, 1780 some, he could ride from Pennsylvania to New York at night and have his entire way lit by the number of effigies that were being born of, being burned of him, right? Imagine a country that, it was, that would be that awake on this child's, child topic. Right, yeah. It would be the, the rails and the uh, tar and the feather routine. Uh, Absolutely. I, I'm like all in on that. I mean, that's that's. A, <laughs> <laughs> we have to be like, well, I mean, we've got to hold people accountable, and it, that's their job. I mean, that, that is is their job. You know, no, no more of this uh, maritime law bullcrap. We need to get to common law, God's law, and uh, and start operating out of love. And sometimes love is tough. Well, this is this is a time right now where Americans have to start stepping up to lead the world, to be very honest. You said something at the beginning, which I think is very important. Americans are probably more um, proactively aware of problems and less trusting than other parts of the world. And for whatever reason that is, we still have some something left. But it's interesting to note here that Russia went through a horrific collapse of their economy. And I throw this out here as a major warning to people. Russia went through a major collapse of their economy, which was engineered by the Western banks. And that happened at the end of Glasnost and the collapse of the wall and then the, the, when all that happened. What they ended up doing to many parents, many families, the only way they could make money was to sell their daughters into what they hoped was to sell them into marriage to send them overseas to America. They weren't doing that at all. They were being taken by the this international sex trafficking groups that were they had their own connections in the Russian mafia, and they were literally selling their future away. One of the reasons Putin is so aggressive right now on protecting the children, because he's already seen it happen in his lifetime, exactly how it would happen. They mined the kids out of the country. They break the economy. They leave people desperate, and then the vultures come in. And we've seen that in Afghanistan. It's exactly what happens with the Hazara kids. They have no future. And they come in and they say, we're going to take your kid. And they're like, well, I don't want to sell my kid. It's like, we'll go kill the family. Then we'll sell you our child. That's what ends up happening. Yeah, the Hazaras were definitely uh, utilized for chai boys and all those things, which were devastating to our morale as well. But, uh, yes. it's. I mean, it, we, this is something, this is a major caution to America here because we have seen the results of the international cabal, which happens to be housed in D.C. and the Federal Reserve, and the, and the Wall Street and banking system, we've seen what they do. And they break economies, and then they, they, that turns things into predatorial environments. And children are the number one thing they want. And, and people have got to start standing up. So that also goes to the other part is they're trying to take away your guns. Why do you think, right? Right. Yeah, so that we can't be, you know, I don't know, good, good citizens, if you will, conduct, uh, you know, citizens arrests, et cetera, protect yourselves in your homes. Look, look what's happening right now. Just, just here's an example. I'm looking at some numbers here between 800,000 and 4 million. Okay. So that's quite a spread there. 
men, women, and children are deceived, recruited, and transported from their homes and sold into slavery around the world each year. And of those, uh, think about this number. Ukraine alone is 117,000. So what's going on in Ukraine right now? Chaos. So anytime you have an environment like that, I saw it coming across the border from Syria into Jordan when that war was going on with ISIS or that, that in, you know, intervention. Um, it, it, is, it is when those numbers, those, it, it's, accountability is so hard in those moments because that's just chaos. The border is chaos. Accountability is hard. That's why these numbers are going up so high. Because we are in a state of war around the world, whether you know it or not, and, and we are here as well. And so that those, those these chaotic numbers um, uh, reflect that. Well, and, and we have to also recognize that child sex trafficking is so pervasive in so many levels, mm-hmm. and it's become really, really mainstreamed into our discussion that people have become almost unconscious to it. So. When you see you're, part of the child sex trafficking issue is as strange if you want to call it this is the trafficking of child sex parts, body parts, not sex parts, but body parts. That feeder comes right out of Planned Parenthood. So yes. you, you start to look at how these things work together, and then you have like you know a lot. They talk about young girls. No one ever talks about the the young girls that are going in there that were made to get they were raped intentionally because they're part of a baby factory. But it's more money to sell a fetus than it is to sell a trafficked baby. I mean, people need to start to understand this whole system's intertwined. Mm-hmm. And so when you have people sitting back, I'm going to particular point my finger once again at the churches, and they're sitting back going, "Well, we'll, we'll talk about abortion here, but we won't talk about this here. We want to be careful." You're complicit in the crime, complicit in a crime of, of allowing an organizational structure to really feed in. And unfortunately, we've already seen it. So I can point to the case in 2018 or 2019 when they ruptured the huge sex trafficking ring in the Baptist, Southern Baptist Church Coalition. It happens in every church. So it's around you, right? The Baptist Church group couldn't even identify a pedophile preacher and when he was fired from a church to warn another church until just last year, think about that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that it's just uh, look. Here's my 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 example in my my church. Great, great church, great people. Small town, thirty thousand people. Uh, I was home in between uh, deployments. I was teaching a Sunday school class, and uh, you know my my class was filled with roughnecks and cowboys and uh, you know people that were let out of you know the uh, DOC for the day you know, from cleaning up on the side of the highway. And, you know, my guys are in there dipping and, you know, preacher walks in. He's like, okay, well, uh, how come you guys aren't using the uh, Sunday school lessons that I'm giving you guys to use? You know, he, he gets me on the side. I'm like, well, preacher, you know, these guys don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about, you know, the, the issues of the day. And, and you know, at that time, we, we weren't specifically on child trafficking. But, well, those subjects are kind of, you know, kind of touchy. We're not, we're not talking about that stuff. So, you know, men particularly men of faith want to talk about this stuff. And when they don't, and they're not challenged, they will not go to church. And those guys didn't go to church. They just came to Sunday school so they could hear this crazy green beret guy and his, you know, uh, cause I couldn't always be there. This other guy that was helping with me and he was a cop hear These two guys talk about real world stuff. They are craving it. Yes. Give it to them. Preachers, give it to them. They want to be men. They want to stand in the gap. Because the women are doing it all right now. 100%. Well, Pete, I love that. But yeah. As we kind of wrap up here, give us kind of your overall assessment of the film. 
Oh yeah, you you there in my in my little theater there there, there wasn't a dry eye. I heard a lot of sniffling. It, it's it's emotional. Um, it's definitely moving. Um, and I'm I am proud of Jim Caviezel. I don't know him, but uh, one of my guys here does. And uh, you know, he actually went to his opening whenever it was in Vegas a couple years ago. It, it, it is definitely worth going to. You got to you got to see this because you and you got to spread the word. Hundred percent. This film is being driven by crowdsourcing, just so everybody knows. The there's not a distributor out there that would touch it, so they went right, right to the people. We've been really fortunate to see how many theaters, including one right here in my hometown. I've been pleased to hear how many people are pushing this and really encouraging it. As I've said here on the show, there are free tickets available out there because they're doing a great model that if you want to pay forward for other people's tickets, if for some yes. reason you can't get a ticket. Contact Bards FM. We'll we'll figure something out for you. We want you to see it. Everybody needs to see this film. It's only seven fifty or twelve bucks or something. It's not that much money. It is definitely worth doing, and you really need to see it and get everybody else to watch it. This is a, a starting point for some. It'll be the first time they've ever taken a peek behind the curtain of this, and it will be shocking to them. Um, others will be mad and enraged. Others will be emotionally hurt. The, the I think what I think we've agreed on the speed. It's it's a snapshot. It doesn't give you the whole global picture, but I think it does an exceptional job of personalizing the trauma, of uh, giving you a context in the beginning, especially of how how sophisticated this is. If you're really paying attention to details, how sophisticated right. this whole thing is. Like how do you how do you can you even get kids in a container and get them on board a ship without anybody asking questions? Those are the sorts of things you need to be asking when you see this to understand the sophistication of this crime network. Yeah, and, and I challenge your listeners to, to use those as talking points in the next Sunday school. You know, instead of football or whatever, you know, the, the we're going to talk about, let's talk about this. If we're going to get some some interaction going and, and develop some some kind of game plan within our communities that we can start, you know, lending a hand to these different groups that are out there. Boy, that Even is if it's awesome. just given a twenty dollars a month, I mean, seriously. Yeah, well, I love the challenge you just give gave. If you're in church, and you're teaching Sunday school, or you're just in church, this thing needs to be part of men's breakfast discussions. This needs to be part of the discussion in preschool or, or the Sunday school. This needs to be charged talking in adult Sunday school. It needs to be pressured on the pastor to get up in front of people to talk about it. This is a real issue, and it, and unfortunately. People don't want to imagine how big it is. But if you look at our defense budget, and our defense budget's like, what is it, $750 billion now. Child sex trafficking represents about two or $300 billion. So it's about a third to half of our national defense budget, to give you an idea. All right? It's amazing. Right. So, All right, Pete, yeah. we're well, going to do a prayer if you want to stay on. I will. I'd love to. Okay. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll let you start and I'll close. So go ahead and start. Oh man, this is awesome. Um, Lord, I just, uh, I'm so moved by you, Lord. Um, you gave us the hands, you gave us the, the wherewithal, you gave us the training Lord to be warriors. And it's just an awesome responsibility. And I ask you, Lord, to put, to put danger in our way, to put, these people in our path that we could find them, Lord, put these people in our path that we could 
draw them on the team to help us, Lord, to be hands, because many hands make light work. And Lord, I pray right now that every person listening, that something has started in them, a fire, the fire of a warrior, a true warrior that doesn't quit, that is ever stalwart. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' holy name. Well, Father God, we just want to thank you for this opportunity you have given us all, not only to have an experience to be able to witness this horrific crime, and as difficult as that is to say thank you on, it's, a, it's an awakening of the hearts. And I am in agreement with, with Pete and Doc here, and what he said is we just pray that this awakens the hearts in people, stirs the fire within their belly, and gets people to stand up and start stepping into this fight. There are so many dimensions of this fight, Father. And we just ask that people will not just focus on that simple point of the spear type kicking in the door activity, but realize the magnitude of what we're talking about, to have their hearts awakened and stimulated to realize that these children need love. These children need nurturing. These children need medical care. These children need families to be part of. These, and some of the families they've come from are may be good families, but they may be impoverished. This is about us as a people coming together. And we do need those warriors. And I will concur as well, Father, because you know I spoke it in prayer in the film today. Put these people in our path. Put them in our path so we can find them, we can expose them, and we can take them down. And in so doing, dismantle this network on a global level and to do something truly magnificent in the eyes of kingdom and for the world to see that as we walk truly with the power of, of our love in you and power in Jesus, that nothing can stand before us and no weapon forced against us will succeed. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pete, I appreciate you coming on, man. Awesome. And I just really enjoyed the conversation as always. Yes, and, sir. And uh, we got a lot of work to do. We sure do. <laughs> Rock sure sleeves. Do. Let's go. That's it. All right, Patriots. Well, you know the deal. Just get yourself fired up and get focused. We got a lot of work ahead of us. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit 
have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know exist, we pray, we stand, we live by the words in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 